This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Pull Up Trade Podcast. If you can tell, we're no longer inside the Vegas hotel room. As a note, I know we told everybody we'd be, you know, streaming or recording after the games. What happened was the hotel Wi-Fi was significantly worse than we expected. Didn't really have a chance to upgrade it. So instead of doing like a six-hour upload process, we just said, hey, you know, Wednesday's coming up. We'll record the regular pull-up trade podcast. We'll do it from our respective homes in the GTA in Toronto. And so here we are. I think, you know, recovering from the Vegas process of being out in the desert, cooking heat, basketball, Grand Canyon, Hoover Dam, our own basketball runs, grind, 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 grind every day, summer league. And now here we are. The Raptors just finished game three. Their best game by far. Still, 20 of 91 from downtown across the three games. Can't shoot. Still very little in the way of on-ball creation. But hope springs eternal. I think that's the saying. Grady Dick played pretty damn well. Marquise Noel, despite showing a lot of things that are going to obviously hold him back at the next level, and things that he'll have to work on adjusting to speed and size at the G League level before trying to eventually make his leap to the NBA, which is definitely that's something he's steadfast on. We uh we come away from three games. Big takeaway. How do you feel about the Raptors summer league experience? Um, I I would say in in general, like there was no high expectations with the team. They had a yeah. lot of injuries. Coloco was out, Downton was out. Benton getting signed was a, a killer for the team. So, like, going into it, it was a mixed match of, like, people that they got really at the last minute. So, I had no real high expectations, and they proved not to have high expectations also. But from the two main guys that we everybody has been talking about, Grady showed how he's going to succeed in the, the NBA. We saw it today. He made quick decisions coming off screens. He was able to also use his connective passing to get other people involved. And if the worst thing that he's doing is is missing open shots, like you'll you'll probably take that because nine times out of ten, he's not gonna have that type of game. So I was really happy with him. And then when it comes to Marquise, you can see where he's going to succeed. As if he has an effective roller, I wish Coloco had played. We probably would have saw significantly more laps, much more finishes in those situations. And it might have allowed him to actually score a bit more inside you kind of saw that a bit within the first game but teams eventually knew with Moses uh with both Moses's not being the greatest finishers around the rim teams weren't being manipulated by his passes and it made it much tougher for him to score layups but if he enters the G League gets more craft around the rim 
also becomes a reliable shooter, there is a path for him to earn NBA minutes, I believe. I think so too. And with guys like Marquise, you never know. They get their start as an undrafted free agent with a team. A lot of those guys end up hopping around. Gary Payton is a good example of that. Not necessarily, you know, the five foot six, five foot seven guys, but undrafted free agents. What ends up happening? They have to get their feet wet. They have to get that adjustment. Then they keep going. And sometimes it takes a couple teams. If Marquise does pop off, hopefully it happens with the Raptors. It it looks like he has a road of development still to go to get to that level. As fun as, you know, the first game where he led both teams in scoring and assists, that was awesome. He's still, like, they had the mic'd up stuff with him running the break, you know, getting that kind of slip in the, you know, the open court with Moses Brown saying, like, dime, dime, and he cuts to the rim. He goes behind the back for a dunk. As you mentioned, um, Gee is probably the best lob threat in the Raptors summer league starting five. And he's not going to run pick and rolls because he can't lay down a screen or anything. Uh, Moses Brown is a guy who, when he goes up to catch the ball, his feet are about this high for audio listeners. It's maybe two or three inches off the ground. He seals and then goes up to get to space, but he's not exploding to the ball and then finishing through. He's like, you know, put an elbow into a guy's chest, create the leverage, gather the ball, pound dribble up. And that just is not suitable, I think, to Marquise's um, playmaking style. He's still got him the ball quite a few times, but it's not going to make anything robust, despite that being, over the first three games, the Raptors' best option to create offense. They had, I think, a more egalitarian or a more spread-out contribution this time. Like, Ron Harper goes 12-7, and Gee has 15-7-3, Moses Brown 13-8, Grady Dick 22-7, you know, Marquise had nine and six. RJ Nempard, who has been good for the second game in a row. I think he was one of the the highlights after the the Cavs game. Um, Marcel also, I thought Marcel was going to be good at Summer League. He was good with the 905 last season. You know, four, six, and two. He's a grinder. He's like an in-between player. He's been pretty good through the first three games as well. But there's not like upside to yeah. these guys, really. Like they're getting paychecks. They're playing professional basketball. They're slowly working on their games. Kudos to them. They are in the 99th, 99th, 99.9th percentile of basketball players already. Um, let's focus on Grady. Had his first score off of a pin down in three games. That's not great, obviously. But you can see, even still, Asar Thompson, who we'll talk about in a bit, he was just awesome. I didn't get to watch a ton of him at OTE. I know you watched a lot more than me. Um, you predicted the draft pick to the Pistons, by the way. But basically, I'm going long on this. Grady Dick, through three games. I'm curious how you feel about him so far. Um, I'm I'm excited. I I think with better players around him, there he you're going to see that production be fairly consistent. I think in the first game, what you saw was like the Raptors were kind of playing like their big team, a lot more isolation, asking guys to create offense in while the defense is flat and that's not Grady's game. That's not why they even drafted him to be, but as you saw them get more comfortable running sets together, Grady was able to come off an Iverson show some of, some of the flashes that, that led him to going high. He was able to grab, put the ball down, finish mid range, put the ball down, score and one layup. And those sort of things are what he does at a very elite level and having guys around him, OG, 
potentially Pascal, Scotty, Scotty as well, feeding him the ball and also using their gravity as as players as well should help him have an easy time as a rookie offensively. Indeed, the defense, I think, will come along. The Raptors have the ability to to hide him, in a sense, just because they have Jakob, they have plus defenders all over the, the court. If he hits shots, makes smart plays like how he's been doing within Summer League, and I would say the number one thing that really impressed me is that his motor, regardless if he hits shots or not, never stops. He's yep. running for offensive rebounds. He's running back on defense. He's very aggressive in trying to make winning plays. And that's something the Raptors, I think, lacked last year, which would be like a breath of fresh air. This is something I talked about after the first game on the podcast was that he shapes to the ball extremely well on both ends. He's a very cerebral player. And, you know, the guys who, if you're a lottery pick, you're not going to validate that selection by doing the in-between stuff, by... You know, like the shot goes up, and I think it was Ron Harper Jr. takes it. It comes off the front of the rim. Grady had followed it in, gets it. And so the defense turns around to see he's got it, and he's like, okay, sees the 45 cut coming, widens the angle, gets it for a you know layup to his teammate. And like that's a great in-between play, but yep. that's not what lottery selections are based on. Neither is his, like, you know, the cutting, neither is the in-between stuff. The shooting has to come around two for ten, He's not good. Two for six is not good. Um, but it's not a big deal. If you believe in a guy who's been just shooting for years and years and years, you know, we you know, we were staying with Josh Codanera, tremendous scout who saw Grady at like in, in high school games. He saw him at a bunch of different stuff and then also watched him a ton during college at Kansas. Um, he said that the early grade he saw it reminded him of like the high school stuff where it's a little bit more open. It's not as much system. It's just kind of like, okay, guys are trying to get theirs. There's this in-between player who can get kind of lost in the shuffle. The NBA really isn't like that. The NBA, you know, there are really bad teams that sometimes are like that. But for the most part, winning basketball is played with guys who succeed on the in-between and with tremendous shooters. He's already shown the front half of that. The in-between stuff has really been good. Like he he makes tremendous reads. Yep. Like he's very quick. I know everybody was probably impressed with like the you know back cut bounce pass, caught it in the right hand. No no wasted dribble, no wasted steps. Goes directly up. He didn't necessarily have to do that. But when you're not an elite jumper and not elite with quick bursty stuff, he ended up missing the layup. But those are the types of like you got to make quick decisions. You have to make quick plays when he's pushing the ball in transition and pushes it up the court and a guy presses him and he does a crossover to his left hand. And as he's doing that, Ron Harper streaks up the right side. He doesn't take the extra dribble with his left hand and then go, it goes straight from right-handed cross into left-handed, no wasted step, no wasted dribble, slings it up the sideline to Ron Harper Jr. When you play with wings like Scotty or OG or Pascal, that kind of open floor playmaking will be super important. The, you know, the, the passes he makes against resting defenses as a connector, super important. He just has to shoot it. And I, and I, I suppose you and most people aren't going to say, I value the summer league numbers over the high school and then college numbers. He, and what he did in his workouts, he was the best shooter in the draft in the workouts. It's all going to be okay, as yeah. it turns out. Grady, I'm going to write a piece on him. I think it'll come out Friday. 
Um, I talked to more of this will come out in the piece, but I talked to like over 10 NBA scouts during the time I was in summer league. And I talked to some team personnel and stuff like that. Guys really love him. I know he fell in the draft, um, but he's, he's really a well-liked player. People see the value of his game a bunch and uh, I'll dive more into that. Um, look forward to reading it on Friday. It will be paywalled. So big shout out to subscribers. Um, Marquise Noel, we kind of touched on. Let's do the R's. Ron Harper Jr., RJ Nemhard, the guys who have given numbers in the Summer League. One a little bit more efficient, one a little bit less efficient. But Summer League teams need numbers. That's something they got to provide. I'm curious how you feel on the guys who provide a little bit extra ball handling, a little bit extra scoring. Harper Jr. on the bigger side, Nemhard on the smaller side. Thoughts? Start with Ron. A um, couple pods ago, I said Ron breakout in the in summer league. Uh, reason reasoning for that was that you saw him succeed re- really well with the G League team. He showed a bit of um, creation pop with with a, his shooting, which has been good since college. Uh, but we didn't see that see that in summer league. Um, I think he really struggled with athleticism, at, like in in summer league. There's really long athletes. You're seeing some higher end lottery picks that show plus length plus athleticism, and he really struggled trying to convert, especially going to the rim against those longer, stronger athletes. I think adding craft will obviously help him and utilizing his strength. I don't think he used it enough. His strength and his size to create separation in those situations would help him a bit more, but I still lean more towards the G league stuff. Summer league is one of the worst um, displays of basketball that most of these guys will be in. And with, um, with more structure, I think he's going to be fine and potentially get a few games with the Raptors this season. On the um, on the Ron stuff, I'll mention yeah. like he's listed at like six five two forty five. I think he's playing closer to two thirty five right now. But if you're going to carry so much and you're going to work with a bigger frame, you probably have to be a guy who he tried it in this game like it was the pump, yeah. bully drive into you know into the guy and end up in a turnover. And if you're going to carry the extra weight you have to make it valuable and you have to work in like those kind of bang around spots and you have to be a guard who can go like in a pinch, take a Marcus Sasser and just obliterate him under the rim. And you're going to get rotations when you do that. And you have to be able to make the reads against like the help coming and that kind of stuff. And I think he has the power and the thing that has to come along is like the reads against rotation and the handle to be, comfortable navigating those situations. I'm not sure either of those things are there. He's still young. You know, a lot of guys, because the NBA is like a very influx league right now, there's a ton of talent. But Mm -hmm. a lot of guys, they don't really find their way until like 24, 25. And, And especially coming in through the back end of the league like Ron is, he still has time to try and figure out what weight he wants to play at. But currently, probably he's he's a big guy at the guard position. And he's trying to be like a pump, one dribble, explode to the rim type of guy. And it's just not coming off very quickly. And the jumper to try and create like these more advantage closeouts also wasn't there. So a bunch of stuff needs to happen for Ron. It didn't happen here. Uh, I know like Bobby and Ron's agent were having long talks in front of me <laughs> during the Cavs game. <laughs> They're like sitting like four inches away. But 
so we'll see what happens with Ron. And uh, I'm excited to see how he progresses. I know the organization loves him. Like he's he was the most vocal guy on defense. He is super positive with the rest of the guys. And he's like a great team atmosphere guy. You just want some of the on-court stuff to catch up yep. to um how, how positive an impact he has just as like a, a culture guy. Um, RJ Nemhard popped a little bit love for him. sure. He he's he's good. I love his body. He's he's very he's very athletic. He gets downhill. He weaponizes his body as well to create um, create separation. Do you uh, what you saw mostly with him getting success? Catch and go. Use utilize his shoulder. Create space and then either dump off pass or get a layup. With um, with earning like an NBA role as like a role player, you kind of have to do like a few finite things fairly well. And if he can replicate that with those skills with also shooting, I like his chances of earning a two-way with maybe not the Raptors, but somewhere else. But there's a pathway and a recipe, I think, for him to be really be really good, like fairly early, I would say, because he was one of the few Raptors I saw be able to actually get in the lane with the lack of spacing that they had and the poor shooting that he had because he had a bit more athleticism and the body to create separation and the skill to utilize it. Yeah. He's long steps, big steps and like pretty good at taking the bump and resetting and trying to create a new angle for a drive. The passing, um, it's like, there's some nice reads to be made, but Mm -hmm. this he's in the right environment for him to pop. So like, you know, even today it was like 24 minutes, 13 points, three boards, two assists. Summer League, as we talked about, is combo guard heaven. Keontae George is killing it. Big shout out, Mac. I'm excited to see what Keontae does at the NBA level. Um, this is this is why you're kind of like, hmm, when, you know, RJ and Ron are playing, you're like, this is a really good environment for a guy who's a little bit bigger than some of the point guards that come in. And, you know, sometimes a lot of times combo guards are explosive and have a little bit of a, a handle and can shoot. It's like this is the like workout ball, go get a guy, you know, just cook him type of environment that is supposed to benefit those types of guys. So, RJ, I wonder what it'll look like with a little bit more restriction and where it kind of rests a little bit more on his ability to like play off ball and shoot a little bit more. But kudos to him for having a really nice summer league so far. The Raptors have needed that ball handling. He isn't like he isn't necessarily like the ball handling guy, like with the Cavs last year or anything like that. And to come in and just provide that for them and do a pretty decent job of it, I'm impressed. Marcel still really impressed. I don't think he'll get picked up by anybody else. I think he'll be back with the 905 this year. Eric Curry is the 905 head coach for this upcoming season as well. Um, the bigs, we talked about it after the first, is um, McCormack gave him some good minutes today, actually. Um, and, and not like those big, like, hell yeah, this guy's dominating minutes or anything like that. But yeah. just that it was, you know, it was tough for the Raptors in this one and all three. Uh, Moses Brown, not going to make the team, I don't think. Um, Gee. I don't know what ends up with Gee. He's the, he's not going to be on the team either. I don't know if he'll hang around on the 905 or something like that. Gee has been the best. Even though Brown's numbers probably look the best, Gee has been more disruptive on defense, I think, and he's pretty rangy. And, you know, these guys, the Raptors, they played a Pistons team that 
they were closer today because the Pistons weren't playing Ivy and Duran and Wiseman. And, you know, it was Asar Thompson who was tremendous today and has just, wow. I was super, super impressed. Um, there's not too much to pay attention to with the Summer League team. If the Raptors pluck somebody from another team and they say, that's our two-way guy. Um, I know that did happen with Terrence Davis, for example. I know fan base people are not in Toronto, not a big fan of him typically, but that was the process of how he arrived. I believe he came from Sacramento's, or sorry, Denver's, Denver's mm-hmm. Summer League team. They signed him. So the, and it, like when I talk to scouts, be it pro scout, prospect scout, or whoever, they're not just watching like, oh, I'm here with, you know, the Falcons, the Hawks, the whatever. It's like, oh, I'm here to watch guys and tell my team about them. Like, maybe there's a guy we can get that's showing out at Summer League. So it's not just like they're on the Lakers roster, for example. Some guys are gettable. Some guys you can sign. Um, Asar Thompson, I'll let you say your piece, then we'll move on to Pascal conversations. Yeah. Um, uh, The Thompson twins in general are probably two of the prospects I was higher on than most people, just simply because both of them have – they're both entering the NBA as one percentile type type athletes, especially. Um, I, I mean, is it Amen? I've heard fifty. Amen. Amen. I've heard Amen and Amen. Okay, I'll go with Amen. But um, Asur, um, a big reason why I thought he was going to get picked by the Pistons, despite him like dropping on some boards, is Troy Weaver has had a history of drafting these long athletic players. I think that's reasoning why there was a bit of internal mix up of who they're going to draft between Jalen green and Kate Cunningham. Cause Jalen green kind of fits his mold a bit better. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Troy Weaver was one of the people that really pushed for Russell Westbrook to get drafted high, despite him being someone that thought they were going to get picked in the twenties. And he ended up being right about, about him with the SAR. Um, you see plus defense. He has that seven foot wingspan, Tons of athleticism, and he actually has the instincts also to anticipate to and generate a lot of steals. So you're entering a baseline of, um, I think, good to above average type defense heading into maybe year two, year three. And he's able to put the ball on the floor and finish through people in in a very athletic way. So you have that baseline of a good rotational player heading into picking him. Where his career is going to be defined is whether he'll be able to to shoot. If he's able to Number shoot, one, not bad. The form okay. is the form is better than his, it's better than his brothers for yeah. sure. If he's able to shoot, he has a pathway to stardom because he also has passing instincts that with athletes like Ivy, Duran, Wiseman, he's he's going to be able to weaponize those guys in in ways that. Hamadou Diallo just simply can't. So I'm really excited to see the Pistons in general. I don't know what's going on with the two big lineups, but I'm I'm going to be watching a lot of games and hopefully attending a couple. Hammy is another good example. They traded Svi for Hammy of just like betting on 99th percentile athleticism because Hamadou Diallo is like full stop, one of the best athletes yeah. in the NBA. And so Amen, I think I love seeing his summer league process because it's, seven turnovers, three assists, but he's just like trying to make home run plays. He's really special. He's trying to see things that other players can't. And he's trying to make, you know, difficult passes. I love that stuff. Get the reps in, see what's happening. Especially when you're playing a lot of minutes against a guy like Moses Brown, 
that's like a lot of arms and a lot of height to try and, okay, I'm trying to get my bigs involved and it's no longer Wiseman or Duran in the game. It's like these, you know, like it's Nunge or it's Fbumwan, these types of guys. It's like, okay, how do I get these guys buckets against a seven to, foot two player? Um, very creative. And while seven turnovers, three assists is obviously abhorrent, I thought that there was a bunch of special plays and he had four steals on the other end. I just, the, the, obviously the steal, like jumped the pass, gave the ball, floated in air, caught it for a reverse, almost a double clutch finish at the rim. It's just really special athleticism. And uh, the block he had is just like, there's like 15 guys in the NBA that can block Moses Brown at his high point. Yeah. Like Moses Brown probably should have <laughs> finished, finished that play, but. The fact that he had the instincts, the courage, and the athleticism to to block that shot like says a lot about him. And I think he said it in his interview. He's going to do anything to try to earn minutes. That's I love really that. He had a good interview. He was he like, did. I'm just trying to stay on the floor. <laughs> For a fifth overall pick, who yeah. is in like the pipeline of overtime elite and is in the pipeline of like, you know, players current, like a lot of the vets today talk about the difference in like the celeb culture that players are immediately stepping into yeah. all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, Terrence Ross was, what was he? Eighth selected eighth overall by the Raptors, like a big deal, but he, it's not the same as an eighth pick today. It's not, these guys have different expectations are introduced to a different level of fame and wealth and all that kind of stuff. And just the guy was like, I'm just trying to get on the floor. I think is, it's not something you hear in summer league from those guys very often. So I yeah. thought that was, um, whether he's just, you know, guys can sometimes just talk for media. But I thought I was like, oh, that's nice. He seemed uh, super likable in that. A little bit of, yeah. Anyway, uh, Pascal Siakam. There's rumbles. There's talk. We've talked about it before. Uh, the looming Caitlin Cooper X Samson Folk podcast. <laughs> if Pascal goes to um, Indiana, I'm sure we'll do numbers. I, the, there's currently reportedly a bit of a rift between the Raptors camp, Siakam's camp on whether they want to offer an extension and what that looks like. And he's headed into his, the final year of a deal. And we're talking about a guy who is two-time All-NBA, two-time All-Star, just put up 24-7-5, one of five players to do that this season, I think, is, you know, obviously probably a little bit more, in my opinion, than in yours, but a franchise icon. <laughs> you leave me out to dry hole. No, yeah, you, yeah, you, you explain right. how you want, but like, but also people know my work. Yeah, I've yeah. obviously been, a, you know, I've covered yeah. Pascal like a ton. I'm a big fan of his, and and I think more than you, that's fine. That's fine, right? Like I, I told you, I think they should retire his jersey. I think that thinks. I think a lot of him. Listen, man. Listen. Did you just okay? try to play up the fans? For- <laughs> no, it's okay. Whatever. Anyway. Joking, anyway, we both like Pascal the most. He's the best guy. Um, he's there's in trade talks because they don't want to let another guy leave the team without yeah. getting anything back. What do you think? Because he's your favorite. <laughs> No. Um, you definitely like it more than me, but, <laughs> but um, I I I think it's in the best interests of the Raptors to to move on from him. 
when you made that Jakob trade, you created a logjam that makes him worse and also Scotty worse, which is kind of untenable to continue to keep <laughs> trying. Um, a big reason why I wanted to to trade for Miles Turner is to invest in the idea of Scotty and Pascal working together. We put Jakob and the, the overall team improved, but your two main focus points on the team got worse. So to you've invested in Jakob for the next four years and to extend Pascal in a situation where A, we're not a contender, B, he's would perform worse in that said position, unless there's some sort of shooting development that neither one of us expect to happen. I don't think really makes sense. And I've always felt, and I think the report said similar, like that decision was sort of independent of whether Fred stayed or or not personally for me. So I think him going to another team, being able to shine while financially probably for him, it's in the best interest for him to stay within the team. I think for the Raptors, it makes more sense to recoup the, the cupboard. We saw the summer league team. There is no young talent on the team. Currently, there isn't much, at least. Get, earn ad- additional picks, get prospects that will fit along with Scotty and OG's timeline, and allow Scotty and OG to get the ball, make mistakes, be okay with um, not necessarily winning every tight game that we're in, and um, allow them to grow and eventually, hopefully, attract the next star or you utilize one of them to grab that next big star and help the Raptors finally get into contention. But I don't see it. I don't see a window where we're a contender and Pascal is still within his prime. So there's a quote from, and I've said it now, I'll say it again. It is said by coaches, by players, by scouts, by everybody. Caitlin Cooper is the best writer covering the NBA. She analyzes the game at a level that other people do not. Um, Without compare, she has a fantastic quote about Pascal playing against the Indiana Pacers, and she's a huge fan of his game that he gets to the rim like somebody sliding a piece of paper under a crack in a door. And it's true. He was forced to operate out of, you know, a broom closet, Harry Potter, as it were, and and creating magic all, all, all the same. And he's just been super, super impressive. And to put a guy like that who's all of the best aspects of his game are based off of tremendous movement skills and just obliterating dudes in space is taking away all the space and playing him in a cramped, cramped, cramped front court. It just seems like it was inherently alienating. And now, you know, the reporting that maybe the team is like, you know, ready to move on. Now, again, reporting and people can 100% report something truthfully. I heard this. This is what I was told. That's reporting. That's what it is. You, you know, you vet to the best of your ability, but if that if that is the case, then that's the case. And if it ends up changing down the line, if there's some, you know, if they're able to, I guess, I don't know, there's some recompense paid and these guys, they get closer and everything works out a little bit better. I mean, that's fine too. But it just seems like a really tough environment for Pascal Siakam to be his best self. And so per the reporting, they're exploring trades. And a lot of teams have expressed interest in Pascal as well. Um, he's a tremendous player. I wonder what it looks like. Uh, I know we've talked about the Atlanta side of things, you know, in, in the past. I think that the Adrian Griffin and Kobe Bufkin aspect of that trade is what's halting it on that end. And um, 
there there was you know talk about Dejounte not wanting to go to Toronto. He signs the extension. Now he's back with Atlanta. There's also talk of Pascal not wanting to go to Atlanta, but there's not an extension for him to sign. So we'll see. It makes the Pacers seem pretty logical. And you had a really funny tweet because the reporting was that Nemhard is a sticking point for the Pacers. And you said, would be hilarious if the Raptors trade Pascal for a guy they could have had if they just didn't make the Thad Young trade. And for anybody listening, the Raptors for Thad Young traded what ended up being the 21st overall pick for the 33rd. And if they had the 21st, then they could have selected Nemhard, who the Raptors definitely want to come back in a Pascal Siakam trade. Uh, I know we did our grades of the Raptors offseason in the vacuum, but uh, I'm just going to check on where you sit on how the Raptors have gotten to this point and uh, thoughts on some decision-making, I guess. I think the, I'm actually like fairly, fairly happy with the decisions they've made within the offseason. Like, they didn't budge on the, the price with, with Fred. They, they could have gotten to a number that he it probably makes sense for him to stay. Um, they gave him, I think, what, what was a fair offer. He hit free agency at a perfect time with the CBA and Houston having money to spend and a new coach who's trying to change their identity. I'm very happy for him. I think I'm going to hit the over on Houston's wins. I think I saw today it's roughly 31. I think they're going to win more than 31 games. Um, I'm a fan of Jalen McDaniels. He's He fits everything the Raptors do, length, athleticism, defensive versatility. And if he's given an open shot, he can he can hit a three, which says more than 90% of the team that we currently have. So I'm happy with that. With Dennis, I think initial reaction, I was like pretty upset that we didn't hit get Gabe Vincent because of potentially waiting on 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 Fred. I know there's some reports I didn't even talk to to Gabe. They didn't. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. Okay, they didn't. Then they wanted Dennis, that which is which is totally fine. Um, at the point of attack, he offers some friskiness. He has the athleticism to get in, get in the lane. Um, and when you're looking at Gabe Vincent, a lot of it may be rec- recency bias with him playing really well within the playoffs in a system that aids shooters significantly, and that may not necessarily translate with the with the Raptors, which you kind of seen with players like Svi, for example, just like not replicating. But um, Everything I, I would say has been has been solid and pivoting from Pasco kind of aligns with what I thought was the best decision for the organization. And if they're able to come away with a Buffkin and an AJ Griffin, you've now created one of the stronger young cores, I, I believe, in the league. With I had both AJ I had both AJ and Buffkin top ten within their draft. AJ top five, Buffkin top eight. Um, I think you're giving yourself a chance to develop these young players. If one or two of these guys pop, you then can either parlay that into a star deal down the line with Scotty and OG or create an even stronger team and eventually get to contention. Whereas right now you're kind of stuck in the mud. And with the new CBA, the worst, literally the worst place to be is to be stuck in the mud because there's, there's punitive actions or punitive things that happen to you once you're, you're a tax team, which is significantly worse than previously. It's tough. And yeah. also, like, the thing is, you talked about how much you'd like the young core if it was Adrian and Kobe. We watched Adrian and Kobe at yep. Summer League as well. They look great. Adrian, way too good for that. 
just like way, way, way too good. Could do whatever he wanted. Um, the athleticism looks pretty good too. Like he's he's on that. Some young guys. This also Nick Smith Jr. This is what I talked about with Ben Pfeiffer when he was on the podcast because Nick has looked super explosive at summer league, like very, very quick. Um, that there was a bit of a drop off from high school to college is like you expect athleticism to just scale, scale, scale. But these young guys, they play so much basketball and start dealing with maladies early. You can see a guy who is more athletic in high school, has trouble in college, and then pops again in the NBA, even year two, year three. So Adrian, I think, is kind of like a sleeping giant. I know a lot of people really love his game. And um, it's just too bad that the Raptors seem to be targeting with their trades is like a lot of guys who uh, improved their value after one year. Like Adrian got selected, what, 16th, if I'm not correctly? Yes. Nemhard is second round. Um, Kobe, Kobe at 15, you know, Kobe's not really included in this. But the guys they're looking to get are guys that other teams made really good decisions on. And the Raptors, through the last couple of years, have missed on some draft stuff have missed on some mid-level extension stuff, have missed on some signings. And so they haven't been able to passively add value to the back end of the team. And that has made things a little bit tough. Um, anything else you want to say about the Raptors, their situation, Summer League, Pascal, um, et cetera? Um, Pascal, I would say, like, if this if he doesn't play another a game, I think deserves his jersey retired. I think when you look at him, he probably is... If you look at his peak play, top three Raptor all all time. Helped us win a championship, embodies everything that about like the We the North era of this team. I just think it's time to move on to the youth movement. And I'm really excited with Darko, a new system, um, and Scotty getting the ball, what that team will look like. It may be terrible, but I would like to see what would happen instead of running it back and leading in and running into the same wall I think they've been running to the last three years. So I think everything in the summer bodes well, and I think they're heading into the right direction. I, As long as Grady hits as a pick and they get good compensation for Pascal, I think you're, you're, whatever happens in the season in terms of wins is irrelevant. You're creating this, this cupboard of high-end prospects that will grow with Scotty, and hopefully the year after or two years after they pop and you see a win jump similar to the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, with that collection of youth that they they both acquired by making good decisions, making good trades. That's when you when you hit that wall and you look at like the players and you say, like, it's really tough to imagine improving from here. It has become the most sensible thing to do is not necessarily to just like bottom, bottom, bottom out. You still want guys to play with good players. The tough thing is like if Pascal were you get Pascal's type of production from a guard, then you would keep him on the team for sure. But the really tough thing is like, and I like you don't have to trade a guy like Pascal from like the Pacers trading for Pascal, for example. They were a worse team last year than the Raptors. If both teams run it back, they probably will be a worse team than the Raptors this upcoming year. It isn't that. If you're rebuilding, you have to trade your all-NBA guy. You can rebuild, retool with all-NBA players on the roster. You want your young guys to play with really great players. You want them to try and leapfrog those really great players. That's how you get these incredible outcomes. Kawhi Leonard 
it wasn't like, okay, we need to trade Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Mon- like all these guys so that Kawhi can have heliocentric Kawhi basketball. Like you need good environments. And the Pacers are trying to bring that for Halliburton and for Turner and for Matherin and for Nemhard. Well, who knows what that team looks like if they end up getting Pascal, but it's that it's just the organization of the team, the skill sets on the roster is so alienating and yeah. so it runs so strongly against what kind of drives winning in the NBA spacing for guys, tremendous athletes, ball handlers, shooters to kind of thrive in. The Raptors don't have that. And Pascal, a very talented player, the broom closet thing is is still ongoing. So it's tough. Um, and it makes sense from a play style standpoint. If they are building around Scotty, which I think they plan to do, that Pascal is elsewhere. I know it sucks because yep. Pascal is a tremendous player, an avatar for the team, really. Like the 6'9 ethos, as we had been mentioning for years already, that's not built around Scotty. Like it's it was built around Pascal. Pascal has like the mo- more expansive skill set. Pascal was the more you know, advanced player as he should be at an older age and all NBA status and all that kind of stuff. It's just like there's no shooting in the the front three positions in a in a lineup. And that's crazy. Like that's that's really something that it's it's tough to get around, especially in like transitional lineups and stuff like that. It's just Yeah, we'll see. If they do run it back, I look forward to covering truly weird basketball. Yeah. And if they make a trade and kind of delve a little bit deeper into the young guys and say like, it's a youth movement. We're going for it. As Dennis Schroeder said, the team is a little young when he got interviewed today on the broadcast. Um, you you would hope that OG maybe, even though I don't know it's if it's likely he gets a chance at something he's been asking for yep. a little more sessions, see if it pops off Scotty, you know, this is a guy who has worked really well as a connective player and like a, a motor player so far and just a genius passer, but a little more of the ball for sure. What happens there? You see a guy like Grady playing off of those guys, young or um, it's exciting either way. Good feelings either way. You know, decisions have been made. The team is the team. React to it. Here's what it is. Trey, any thoughts before we get out of here? Um, summer league, I would suggest it. I would recommend it to anyone. It's fun. It's great seeing young players like try weird things. We got to see more basketball live than probably 99% of fans are going to get to see within a year and much cheaper. And it's cool seeing you're walking by, you see Kareem Abdul-Jabbar going to the bathroom, cool, (laughs) cool stuff like, like that. And just, I think after a few days, like it just becomes normal just walking past all these NBA players or other people that you've seen on NBA Twitter or seen certain reporters. It just becomes kind of normal, which is cool, cool as well. And I loved going to the Grand Canyon Hoover Dam with my best bud. It's it's been like it was it was awesome. Yeah. I think a first shout out to the people who listened to the podcast. Yes. And wanted to meet Trey and I. It it was quite a few people. We got recognized on the plane there, on the plane back, like constantly. And not just by like people from, you know, that you interact with on Twitter, but people listen to the work. And so they, it's cool to do the work and have people say, hey, I like that. Like I'm, 
I'm not trying to be big headed, but it's really nice to have that feedback from people. And um, yeah, like like he said, Trey mentioning like you you will see the players, you yeah. will see the celebrities. You will if you ever wanted to say hi to Scotty, and it's like I'm at the Raptors games, I'm like on the court and like hanging out pregame. It's even if you show up early, it's tough to get that FaceTime. If you want to say hi to your favorite player, summer league is that's as good a chance as you'll ever get. And you know, Trey and I, when we got off the plane the first day, made the mad dash to the hotel. Then we went over to NBA Con, which is like the marketing and all the you know, unique events they're doing around the basketball. Um, they had a big court for us to like play around on. They had like merch. They had a bunch of other stuff. They're adding to summer league and making it like a way bigger thing. It's um, it's not an all star game, but it's like an amalgamation of the NFL draft combine. Summer League itself, MLB's winter meetings. It's just like a big summer celebration of of basketball where everybody comes and hangs out and you get like you get to see everybody interact and everything like that. Um in God, the city of sin, like just horrific decadence, that city. The sun burns on you all day as everything costs a million bucks and just like budget properly and enjoy yourself in what is for like two weeks the mecca of basketball i think that's the and yes of course like i had one of the best days of my life you know we we went out early we went to the grant we went to hoover dam the grand canyon we're driving back we see you know josh thought it was a mirage but it was a, a a basketball court in the desert we play in the desert um if anybody wants to see the film of that I think my Twitter account or Fendi Arberry Haney's Twitter Twitter account. We're just like, what a day, man. Yep. Grand Canyon, you can't even put it into words. The immensity, the scale, unless you're sitting in front of Everest. And also it's not even, you can't see Everest the same way you can the Grand Canyon because of the height versus the depth. It's just like, it, it's tremendous. Hoover Dam was cool, but basketball in the desert with the pals, the 40 40 Celsius burning down on us as we're getting shots up. Trey's Yeezys are flying off his feet as he's trying to get the step. You know, it's just like, it was awesome, man. What a trip. Yeah. Uh, thanks to RR for, you know, sending us out there, getting credentialed and everything like that. Just an absolute blast. Once again, to everybody who said hi, that's awesome. It really helps validate like what we do here because it's not the highest paying stuff. So to have somebody say, hey, I like what you do. It kicks ass. And if you do like what we do, feel free to subscribe over at RaptorsRepublic.com. It's what keeps the website going. Uh, one of the most important publications in Toronto sports. Whether you like it or not, it helped build out the coverage, even if it's not on Raptors Republic. It helped build out the coverage you're seeing of the Toronto Raptors. Many people who went here now work elsewhere. And um, with the paywall, we're currently trying to keep talent on staff so that it can stay relevant in this new day and age where advertisements like it and on the screen of a website, it doesn't pull the same money it used to, all that kind of stuff. And because people who do work deserve to get paid for it. Trey, any thoughts before we get out of here? This is the third time I'm saying this maybe. (laughs) Um, I just think it's really cool. Like I, summer league, there was people that are invested in not even just the basketball stuff, just some of the interpersonal stuff we have on the podcast, like the amount of people that asked us about update on the race was like, it blew my, my mind. Um, we're one, one, finally, I feel we, 
for for record, we ran very late at night. I pulled up halfway. This was a very, very, very long hallway. But Samson did win. I'll give him that. We, we're going to race one more time. We're going to get recorded. We're going to do our group chat Olympics. And one of us, hopefully the next time we do this podcast, one of us will be faster than the other. Officially. Yep. The the objective, the the rubber match. Yes. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, man. Um, it's, it's also just like, it's fun to gamify stuff. Yeah. You know, we're in our late 20s and we're, you know, like you have to go through life. You have to have your fun. I feel like a big kid half the time. Yeah. And like the fact that like we're friends and we get to do all this like goofy shit and like indulge in it and have fun with it. Like, what the hell? It's awesome, man. Like there's nothing better. So I toast to our friendship. Um, it was Trey. It was an absolute blast sharing that trip with you, man. It's uh, it's been a real blessing to um, have met you to do this podcast with you. And um, Trey, you ready to get out of here? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right, brother. Listener, whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.